0: All right, thank you so much for joining us once again. It is another live show, Friday Night Live. I am recording from you. Uh, Trying to get the road on the show tonight as quickly as possible because we actually have a lot of material to cover. And just because of the opportuneness of it, uh, I did want to get into more Bad Boys a Werewolf as much as possible because it does pair so nicely with Turning Red and all the ladies out there uh, who have seen something like that, uh, recently. Making fun of young horny you is just a lot of fun. So, like, as long as that context and spirit's in the air, uh, I wanna, I wanna jump into it, cause young horny you, horny you is already stupid. You already, to some degree, mock horny current you. You already think horny, or hungry, or too stimulated you of now, you're like, you idiot like when you procrastinate, too, or at least I do, when I procrastinate too much, or I want something too badly, I'm always like, you dumb dumb. So making fun of past horny you is fucking amazing. So while that spirit in the air, I did want to get into it. Uh, just because there is no further ado for something like this, and I'm just so excited because I, I saw the story earlier this week, and I'm like, yay, finally, let's get right into it. I have a pretty fun fucking news story, I want to say. I hope so, at least. There is a human tragedy element to it, like almost all fun stories in the news. They can't all involve a robot and a dog. I wish that they could. So like most most fun stories, there's a bit of a human tragedy aspect, I know, but it's not one that'll bum anybody out, I don't think, anymore. Did you all hear... What's going to happen to McDonald's in Russia? Did that news make its way around the world? Because that is some of the most fun and funny shit I've ever seen. So I, as you may as a longtime listener of the podcast know, I'm no big fan of American foreign policy. I'm I'm a critic of it. Uh, And when other nations mock us or when other nations are like, well, you do war crimes too. I'm like, you know, that's not actually what aboutism, as far as I'm concerned. It's a fun show. Everybody, lighten up. This is the fun part. And so, I, <laughs> I, I've never, I've never really been that big. Like when, Ch- when, when China or somebody says something, I'm like, I just roll my eyes. I don't care. You have to care. You have to be like, no, ah, oh, my country's better than yours to care about the saber rattling from the other country. Otherwise, you don't care. If Struck dogs are the ones who scream, and that don't make this doggy bite. When China's like, America sucks. I'm like, I don't care. You suck too. <laughs> I'm not going to get into a pissing contest over a Chinese propaganda statement. Who has the time or energy? That's coming from me. I don't understand it at all. But then, in one day... Russia and China both made international statements where I, like, giggled like a madman. Because first, China claimed that America was acting like a bunch of, and I quote, cowardly wizards. And I couldn't get over that phrase. Like, all day long, I kept coming back to it. I'm still playing Elden Ring where there's a lot of magic and sorcery. And, like, every time, like, a a magic user or some enemy who uses magic would, like, teleport away from me that day, I was like, Cowardly wizard! Get back here! Because it's just such a crazy fucking phrase to throw out. And, like, Chinese diplomats are usually so careful with their wording to imply, like, oh, we won't go into Ukraine if you don't talk about Taiwan and stuff like that. And then other times that day, they're just all like, man, you acting like a cowardly wizard. And I, I don't even, like, if you put a fucking or dumbass or something in between cowardly and wizard, it sounds even better than it does if it's an official statement you cowardly wizard, compared to, he's like a cowardly, dumbass wizard or something. Which one is more insulting? I say number two. (laughs) So it's a real bad diplomatic misfire. So I was giggling at cowardly wizard already. I come out of my Elden ring sash for the day, and I'm just briefly, briefly, briefly looking at just the headlines just to make sure the world is still ending. (laughs) As, As the joke and clue goes, did you check? Yes, everything's fine. Two dead bodies. Just making sure that everything's still going the wrong direction in a hurry. uh, As fast as it possibly fucking can. Uh, Just do a quick little headline survey. And then Russia, namely Putin, after I'm already laughing at China's cowardly wizard, accuses the U.S. of, of, of doing something horrible in Ukraine and supplying Ukrainians with weapons. Okay. Now hold on. That's a serious allegation, and that actually could blow up. True or not. What was the allegation? Russia accused us of sending bird bombs. Literally. Birds who were giving Ukrainian bomb technology. Not like wicker baskets full of cartoon bombs from like the early 1900s that you would light and they would go and you'd throw. Not that. But like the birds were transferring the information and like giving the schematics and blueprints. We had trained birds to defy the Russian militaristic intelligence services. And I just thought, okay, Russia, but there's two choices here. Alright? One is that's true and two is it's false. And one, if that's true, is not a very good look. You're saying we've trained birds to out to out-fucking-fox the entire Russian military and it's working? And we should feel bad about that? <laughs> I'm sorry, as a, as a peacenik, I am in favor of birds destroying entire military operations. How do I get on board with this? The cost efficiency is out of this world. I immediately thought of Angry Birds, which I hadn't thought of in a fucking decade, and the one black bird that blows up. There's a little black bomb bird that blows up in Angry Birds, and I was, I was thinking about, like, the U.S., like, aiming him with giant catapults in Poland and shit in Ukraine. All right. Now hold on. The last two we fired. The last two we let loose didn't get through the wall. God damn it. So we really got to fucking focus on this one, people. Cuz you know, they they obviously the US military would play Angry Birds with the same precision and level of of sophistication that I did. <laughs> Uh, the sad part about this the sad part about that is it might actually be true so I was already pretty primed for some weird foreign stories, I was already laughing at those I mean, you don't have to laugh with me like I say, it's all foreign policy bullshit saber rattling, but I was just like, oh my god the cowardly wizards are using bird bombs, yeah, I would see that would piss me off too, but like could you imagine that headline Because it was a real headline, a real week. Cowardly wizard uses bird artillery from skies. Sounds like something that Mordor weekly has to write as a headline. Why they're so fucking pissed off on why they're losing the war. That's like what Sauron screams. Cowardly wizards using bird bombs? God damn it. Did you see what that motherfucker just did? He just summoned an eagle army and turned pine cones into artillery. How the fuck were we supposed to prepare for that? What the fuck? So already enjoying that level... You can tell I've had a little bit of caffeine for the show today. So already enjoying that level of weirdness, that's not the fun story. The fun story is, oh my god. Things are collapsing economically so quickly in Russia that McDonald's says, we are going to peace out, we're going to temporarily, not so temporarily, we don't know, uh, stop operations in Russia. And in order to keep everything looking fine, well and good in Russia, Russia, and especially the city of Moscow in particular, but the government of Russia, has now put forward a huge mega mega deal to run their own McDonald's so that there's not a gaping hole where all of those restaurants are. And they're branding the McDonald's restaurant clone that's going to be state-run so that it looks pretty much identical in acrylic, to McDonald's. And the name of it is the best fucking part because that's already fun. Oh, Russia's going to do a Soviet-style state McDonald's? That's going to work great. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. That's going to work out wonderfully. The best part about it, though, is that it's named, really named, not sarcastically named, Uncle Ivan's. Now, just finding out that it was called Uncle Ivan's or Uncle Ivy's would be the English translation made me just about double over. Because if you were to say That some satire was too on the nose. Like, if RoboCop had a 90s TV show where they wanted to keep the bit where from the RoboCop movies, they would throw little sad commercials in the background saying about how dystopian life is getting and how horrible life is in every way. They just want to do little 30-second spots to show you how awful society is and how it's getting. Uncle Ivan's being the new restaurant that's moved into the shell of all the McDonald's is a real, real good candidate for that. Like, if you just sarcastically wanted to try and convince people that this is a dystopian, horrible society where everything's falling apart, you just have to show the commercial for like, Come on down to Uncle Ivan's! And it's clearly McDonald's, but the M is like, switched over to like a B. Like, it's switched over on its side, and they've added like a strip to it. Painted it red, but you can still tell it's just the McDonald's fucking arches. You know what I'm saying? Come on down, Uncle Livens. We have special. We have... We have... The 250 gram. And the double 250 gram. Yum! Everybody loves it. We have brought back the mascots that everybody enjoys... Here is the giant purple creature, Moros. Yes, Moros. He's very good. Mm -hmm. This is uh, this man here who has uh, his mouth uh, sewn shut and his hands cut off. He is known as the Reformed. Yes, yes, the Reformed. You can tell what he was doing beforehand. Hands cut off, mouth sewn shut. He's... He's better now, though. Every All oh, the kids love the Reformed. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's very good. Uh-huh. Uh, we do not have the French fry. We do buy tater tots instead from Kroger's and freeze them. So we don't have that ugly little fried chick thing. Instead, we have giant tater tot. We did not come up with name before show. Deal with. giant tater tot very scary looking if you think about it. six foot tall tater tot costume mm, children would not like I do not believe no <laughs> Come down Uncle Ivan's you enjoy coupons no so <laughs> I just I just really love the idea of Uncle Ivan's uh, moving in and I hope everybody else did too uh that's the fun that's the fun part uh at misadventures in society falling apart logistically on planet america so i ordered groceries i don't mean to brag on you all i did order groceries uh <laughs> and then the order got canceled cuz there's just not enough drivers and i fully accept that cuz the cost of like driving and insurance and gas, everything right now. And the fact that, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I don't i don't update very often, but I am following the freeway shooting story in America because we are now have so many freeway shootings that we no longer break news to talk about them anymore. We're just tracking them now in, in local... So, like, I am following all this, and I just got to say, people are driving like fucking lunatics. People are... People are people are uh, people are shooting guns outside the freeways all the time in your local city. Probably it's just not even making the news no more because it's so fucking common stuff like that. So I don't blame nobody for like not taking an order or declining an order or what have you. And the app is very nice about it. Very often if they have to cancel, they'll give you like a five or ten dollar discount automatically on your next order. Uh, I buy groceries well ahead of time. I've never like. Waiting at the empty fridge or anything. So it's not a big deal. I've been using the app since before COVID. Uh, it's the app that really hasn't changed all that much. So, you know, I'm, I make do. But it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get groceries tonight. And I am running a little bit low and I don't want to uh, make like another three smoothie day because uh, I've done enough of those recently trying to get it for all this fucking booze I've been drinking. And so I, uh, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll get groceries tomorrow. And then I, uh, uh, very lovingly, a lady of the night sent me some money for food, and I'm like, you know what? I, I really, 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 it was dumb, but I had such a good time eating that pizza. Uh, on Sunday night, I ordered a pizza, uh, and I, uh, I haven't ordered a pizza in a very long time. Uh, and I ate it while watching uh, Turning Red and Brazil on the server. And I just had a great time. I uh, ordered a pizza from a new place. It had a great sauce. I really enjoyed it. And I thought, okay, I'll just order it again it was already taken off the app i pushed the i pushed the order in for the pizza right and then i get a fucking text from the restaurant owner saying we they never like we fulfilled your last order and we can see that and we honored that cuz you were a new customer but they never asked us to put uh our store in their app the app that you used So we're not going to be able to honor this one. Now, this is a pretty standard news story. If you guys didn't know, Grubhub and DoorDash and Uber Eats, they'll just put uh, restaurants in and, like, pipe them into their system. And then all of a sudden, that restaurant, which never agreed to it, is starting to get orders from Uber Eats, which are taking 15 20% of the bill, right? So that that's actually, pretty, you can read art- articles about that. So it didn't shock me at all to find this out. It, I, was, I, I just appreciated the text, you know? I just thought it was super nice that they didn't just cancel and, like, scream or something. Like, they got my information from the app. And then they sent me a text as an update through the app or whatever. And I just thought that was super stand-upish of them. And they even gave me another option. Uh, they're like, you know, if you want to order online, you can order from here. You're outside of our range, but we'll make an exception for you this this time. And I was like, well, that's actually super nice. You know, what do you, I mean? They're they're really like going the distance for me, trying to to make sure that I can. Get that, but I was like, i mean, I'm in so much fucking trouble. I'm not going to download a new app for all that fucking shit, for another fucking pizza pie. I can make a fucking good pizza around the house. What are we talking about? So, no, I, uh, I didn't do it. <laughs> so, that's the second thing. I order another pizza from another place, just figuring at this point, because we're about 15, 20 minutes into the process where I get the text saying, you're not going to get that meal. So, I'm already 15 into 20 minutes of pizza town, mentally speaking. 15 to 20 minutes heading towards Pizzatown in your mind is a vast distance. Scientists do not comprehend yet how much distance I have actually traveled. We do not know when the mind travels to Pizzatown if it does actually go to faster levels than the speed of light. Speed of light has physical limits. The mind can travel to Pizzatown as fast as it wants, baby. How far away is Pizza Town? That depends. How big is the pizza? If the pizza's too big, it can't be too close to Earth, or else it would destroy us all. Don't you understand? The theoretical limits that we have here? The giant flaming disc? Are you trying to kill us all? So 15 to 20 minutes into mentally traveling towards I'm about to have Pizza Town is when I get the text. I'm like, well, now my primary concern for the first time ever with ordering something ever is to switch the app to from, like, high rating or, like, you know, your favorites or my, or the one tab there. Every single app is trying to get me out of every single time I log into every app these days, which is deals or offers. Hey, what's the cheapest thing? You don't want that. Come on. Uh Come on, man. We're hurting. Please.
1: Please.
0: Did you see the cost of gas? Just splurge. You've earned it. So instead of any of those normal tabs that I would be in, I just immediately click on, what's gonna get here the fucking quickest? What's gonna, what's gonna Star Trek style teleport to my door the fucking fastest? Cause now, I'm hungry for fucking pizza. So I look up pizza, And I look up who's going to get me a fucking pizza pie in under 30 minutes. I click that restaurant. I click through the order super fast. The fastest I ever have. If me from three years ago was sitting behind me watching the executive decisions I was making, and how effortlessly I was making them, and how little it concerned me, he would have fucking died. That motherfucker spent hours, hours before pressing the order button. He would have died watching me do this fucking shit. I, no, we now find the quickest. No, I don't care how well-rated it is. Uh, That one sounds fine. We don't need to alter it. I don't give a shit. Give me that one. Let's go. I press the order button. I get the confirmation for the order button. I'm heading back to Pizza Town. No, I'm not. Because ten fucking minutes later, I get a beep saying that there's no driver, you're just going to have to wait a little bit longer, don't worry about it. Uh, We'll just delay by like three seconds. And you can tell the difference between my grocery app, which actually cares about me and very much wants me to come back month after month. uh, and, And pay their monthly subscription fee and be happy. Because they're all sad and they give me like options. And then like the food apps who only care if you like order that day or not are just all like, wait five more minutes, you fat buck! Come on now. You know, they don't give a shit. The update messages are the update messages are just all like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Learn how to feed yourself? Shut the fuck up and wait. <laughs> you just ordered fast food for somebody else to bring you and you were too lazy to go to their site. Who do you think you're fooling? You think you're worth anything. You'll take it when we give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) So this happens twice. I get two messages saying, Oh, it's only five five more minutes. Oh, it's only five more minutes plus plus five. It's only five plus five. (laughs) Before I cancel my order. And now... I'm famished. I've tried to get groceries. I've tried to get two pizzas. I I opened the app one more time. (laughs) It's a little too late in the day for me to, like, go and get something. And I don't want to go and, like, drive and get McDonald's anymore because, you know, I'm a little afraid of the new 500-gram burger. And... Metric is an act of rebellion in this country. Isn't that stupid? (laughs) I've always thought so. (laughs) And so with the quickly ordered tab button, like the to your door, I now look again. Obviously not for pizza. Obviously, Pi Day has destroyed the pizza logistical chain in this country. To some, to some degree, I never expected. Obviously, 314 was a day of reckoning for an entire culinary industry in this country, and we still haven't recovered. So now I'm just looking for anything that's short. And I'll be like, oh, fuck it, Chick-fil-A, even though I have not done that in so long. Fuck it, Panda Express. Yes, I'll pay an extra $7 to have it delivered to me at this hungry-ass point. Why not? So I'm rolling through and I find the fifth or sixth one for quickest. We're going to get it just right to your fucking door. Is it going to be tasty? Is it going to be good? We don't care. I click on that and it's something like a mac and cheese local place. It's like mac and cheese only. And I get super excited as soon as I open it up because the menu is like, the menu is like a lollipop gang menu, right? Like, So many of these fucking menus you pull out, and they just keep going and going and going. And then they'll have, like, two sections for drinks. Like, put it all under beverages, assholes. There'll just be so many options. And personally, I'm more and more coming under the opinion that the less things you cook as a restaurant, the better a time I'm going to have with you. If I'm going to eat your food, I don't want to see too many things on the menu. It's going to get scary for me. So to see that their their ordering process is, choose one of two noodles. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> choose one of three cheeses. Okay. Choose one of eight proteins. Okay. Choose one of eight additional toppings. All right. Would you like extras? No. No, I would not. And then you're done. And then you're done. And it was too cheap because it's a bowl of macaroni and cheese. So this part feels a little bad, like I'm bragging at you guys. But I'm just telling you, like, the misadventures of, like, the breaking down of logistics and how strange it is to me that it's happening. Uh, So the only mac and cheese I can order, because there's a minimum fucking fee on these goddamn apps. So the only mac and cheese (laughs) combination I can order, because it's sad to order for yourself in this world is the lobster bisque version of mac and cheese. I have to choose the lobster protein, which is extra money. I have to choose the bisque, which is extra money. I choose it. With the driver's tip and everything, it actually only comes out to 18 bucks to my front door. I was shocked. And I was thinking, like, well, there's no way it's going to be good. Right? 18 bucks, lobster bisque, with a tip, to your driver, to your front door. I was like, there's no way it's going to be fucking good. And then it was real fucking lobster and pretty real good fucking butter. Pretty decent butter. Better butter than I was expecting, for sure. So it was actually pretty bisky. It was actually pretty delicious. So, like, you know, happy ending and everything. Are you worried if I got groceries? Don't you worry. The groceries are in the fridge now. I woke up today, and I made sure to, like, put the app in early enough where if they had to keep delaying a couple of hours, I'd still get it. Got a good grocery delivery overall. Uh, pretty happy with it. Going to be cooking something new this week. Uh, you know, I... I um Everything, everything's pretty much going okay. Uh, just trying to give you a little bit of an update as we racing, racing, racing through. Oh my god, it feels like we're going so fucking quick. Alright. Uh, are you still playing Elden Ring? Yes. And I'm trapped in it. How many hours? Because people keep asking me. Uh, over fucking 60 at this recording. And, no fucking end in sight. And, I am not dragging ass. <laughs> I'm not looking at everything. Friends are telling me all about all kinds of like scenic stops they've stopped at. I, uh-uh. Uh-uh. I, uh-uh. I'm I'm in business. I go underground. I kill everything I can find. I get a little bit stronger. I go above ground. I kill the biggest things I can find. I run onto the next area. That's just that's just how I go, baby. And so uh the game is just amazing. It's absolutely Rejuvenated me and my the fun that I've been having playing games for a while. I got super, super, super frustrated at one point because uh, I couldn't get past a boss finally. These games are known for their very hard bosses, but I was pretty much just smacking them around. So I finally got stuck on a boss and I had to take a little break. But just super quickly to talk about why the game has like rejuvenated me and like why there's such a little passion and bounce in that step when I talk about in a smile. When I was a little kid playing 8 and 16-bit games and they wanted to represent a shift in scale or something, they're they're so limited with the technology. So, like, one area of the game would have blue blocks and then you'd know that things were getting serious because you'd beat a boss. And then the next section would have red blocks. Oh my god! Oh, they changed the color of the blocks. Oh, shit's getting real now. So, like, in a lot of these games, a lot of my favorite games of all time, like the Castlevanias and shit, where you, like, you really are a man against an army of darkness, and you explore, and all of the bosses are crazy different. It's very fun. All the stages are different. All the enemies are different. When you had to fight, like, a giant, the way they would represent it with the shitty technology back then is, you know, you would see up to the giant's ankle, and he would, like, stomp you with his foot. You'd hit his foot the whole way through... And, like, he'd throw boulders down. You're hoping they're boulders because you can't see where he's throwing them from. From above. You gotta dodge the boulders and thwack him in the ankle, and then the health bar goes down, and then he goes. Bow, 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 and then the boss is dead. And that's how they had to represent in video games for decades. To totally spoil a part of this fucking game, you get to a place called the Mountain of Giants if you play fucking long enough. And guess what? There is one! There's a giant on the mountain. And already fighting like dragons and demons 20, 30 times your size in this game is normal. It all looks so cool and fluid. This giant was 100 times my goddamn size. You get on your horseback and you ride towards him. You can get exhausted before you reach him. Which is, you know a fight is fucking serious. If you're like, motherfucker! And you're like... "Uh, uh, uh, uh." And then you're like... you know. Hold on. I'm almost there. Just gotta give me a minute. Okay. Run towards him again. And this amazing fight with this creature actually a hundred times my size where I'm actually, like, whacking him in the ankles until, like, I hurt him and he, like, falls over and then, like, you know, whacking him in his knees and stuff. Like, he's huge and it's all so glorious and good-looking and, like... It just brought me immediately back. Every time I played a video game as a kid. Like, I wasn't really seeing what was on the screen. If I was having a good time. I was seeing something much cooler than what was going on. But this time around, I'm seeing exactly what's there. And it was just so amazing. It 100% uh, got me to... (laughs) I was meaning to play this game before I fell into my pretty deep depressive episode over COVID. I was looking forward to it, called Jedi Fallen Order, and then I never got back around to it because you had to install Ubisoft Origin to play it. And I, I don't, you, you, you hear what I'm saying about absolutely some of you operational security, all that kind of shit. I just hate it. I just hate it. The less passwords, the less accounts, all of it, the better. So I just like, ah, eh, screw you. I'll just never play that game. I had so much fun fucking fighting this fire giant and getting so mad with this fire giant because he. What do you mean a guy a hundred times my size kills me in one hit? What kind of bullshit is that? Getting so mad with him and everything like that. Like, I just, I just really, I enjoyed it so much that when I finally did beat him and I felt like that satisfaction and like I got to eat him and get a little bit stronger because I finally killed that giant, I immediately logged out for the day and looked up like, how do I bypass all this Ubisoft bullshit? Like, I know how to do this. I come from a fucking pirate background. I know how to do it. And I did. I loaded it up. I haven't played it yet because I'm still having a lot of fun with Elton Ring. But, like, I got so inspired. I enjoyed it so much playing this game, not expecting to at all, that, like, it revived a bunch of things about me. I really feel like it brought some things about me back. And I just wanted to, you know, roll that into the Ahedonia thing. I know a lot of you don't play video games. I'm not asking you to enjoy it or even be happy for me. But insofar as fighting depression with the concept of you have to get over a little speed bump, you have to get up a hill sometimes, even when it's something you enjoy. And then once you get past that bump, you'll have a lot of fun. I just want to say it's that's really working for me in this case. I th- I think this is a special thing, but just to say right before we get into the poetry and everything else for the night, we're going to try and burn through from here. I promise. <clears throat> oh, hello, ladies sneaking in. All uh, just 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 to uh, just to put a little bit of a fine point on that. I talked a couple weeks ago like a c- curmudgeony old man about uh, the foundation. I haven't heard any. I haven't heard any shit talk from any of you since I did that. So I'm assuming that if any of you watch The Foundation, you at least, even if you love it, you you think I might have a point or two about what's going on with the slowness in that show. And I just, real super briefly, because I guess hardcore sci-fi is back in vogue. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Hardcore sci-fi is back in vogue. And so I just want to say... That as a boring-ass show with the foundation in which you have eternal clone emperors who are always, like, child-abusing themselves so that they can turn into the person that they were when they were abused as a child and there's lineages going on for 12,000 years and bodies are moving and consciousness is moving through time and there's magical fields that make you sick, except magical people and all this stuff and nothing to explain. All of these concepts are in there. And I was like, boy. Ring. you gotta give me some sci-fi sci-fi what's all this eh, clone eternal lineages come on that's basic people were riding that in the 50s you seen Passengers with Chris Pratt and J-Law? Don't, it's awful. But you see how fucking high concept that shit is? Aw, oh, man, you're gonna have to do better. You're gonna have to step it up. So I watched Foundation like a curmudgeon old man, and I was all like, well, you know, maybe I'm just not as happy as I think I am, or as content, or everybody saying I am, or all the new things I'm doing and experimenting and how well I'm treating myself. Maybe that's all just an illusion and a lie. Uh even though it doesn't feel like it in any way. But now I know it's not. And I'm telling you, Elden Ring and Ahedonia and this whole concept, just forcing myself into it and playing the game and getting there and the drivers and telling myself it's okay. Getting over all those little anxiety bumps, it brought something back to life. Because I saw the weirdest fucking sci-fi show just drop season two. The weirdest fucking sci-fi show, not currently on TV, but ever fucking made, just dropped season two. And I immediately got just a slight bit of an erection. I I saw that season two had come out after watching season one and thinking like, Oh, this show's fucking, what the fuck? I gotta see season two. They can't cancel this shit on me. Seeing that season two is out, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. This is gonna give me everything that Foundation didn't. Here we go! Because Raised by Wolves is crazier in any 30-minute stretch of that fucking TV show than anything you've ever watched. And trying to explain any 30 minutes of this TV show, any 30 minutes of any episode, what happened in that 30 minutes? (sighs) Okay, so... The robots that were made when humanity died out generations ago turn out to be capable of interfacing directly, like through an Ethernet port in their wrists, with the cryogenic chamber AI systems of the robot systems made by the humans that didn't get wiped out generations ago and sent their ships out slow and early. And it turns out that even though these two AIs can communicate, they're not compatible. So they're entering into kind of like a kind of lawnmower man style war between the wills of the two of them, both trying to infect one another with the consciousness and the abilities that they have given different human creators. I'm sorry, that's the plot of the show? Oh, no, no, no. That's 12 minutes in episode five. And a lot fucking happens before and after. (laughs) And I was thinking when I was watching Raised by Wolves Season 1, in my depressive episode, I was all like, oh, oh, this isn't ever going to connect. This is just strange. Just enjoy the ride. It's just going to get weirder and weirder and weirder. Just like, you know, it's a little disappointing, but they clearly have no plan. And then I got to the end of Season 1 of Raised by Wolves and my mouth was open. I was like, they had a plan the entire time. This isn't like Game of Thrones or The Expanse. This is actually going to be the weirdest fucking shit ever. And I'm so excited. I'm going to try and play my game as hard as I can. I'm going to get done with my stuff. I've got some new cooking recipes to try for this week. And so my plan is, after I do a whole lot of spring cleaning, because it's so uh, it's, it's ready to be uh, spring, and I'm ready to clean. I got everything done. I got all my ingredients with this grocery delivery. I got all my spring cleaning equipment out. I'm ready to fucking knock that shit out. So my plan, and I'm excited about it, is I'm gonna make these new dishes that take a while to cook, and I'm gonna clean while I'm making them, and that way I'll be all hungry and I get to rest and be happy at the end of the day, when I feel all satisfied with the stuff that I've done, Kind of sit down with my new cooked meals, my brand new recipes, and I'm gonna watch the fucking shit uh, out of, uh, Raised by Wolf season two and feel like it's the most well-earned thing. And I would not be excited about any of this. I would be having trouble with all of this if I wasn't really trying, wasn't really coming out of that depressive funk in that episode. And I see it now. And that's the difference and that's the importance. So thank you, everybody, 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 who is so supportive, so kind, so encouraging. My God, can I ramble. You know, there was a time where I pretended that I was shy there was a there was a time that I pretended that I didn't want to talk about myself, but then we look at me coming off a little jaunt like that. Apparently, it can't be true. Nobody smiling? No? Nobody? All right, I hear what they're saying. They're saying, listen, man, we're not here for the personality. We're here for the pose. Get, get to reading the ingredients on that DiGiorno. Is it all right... To know that a woman is not for you. If she likes sausage on pizza. Is that too much? I was just thinking, like, I really am very careful with my meat budget these days. Like, I really, when I eat meat, I'm trying to eat with a lot of veg around it, and I'm really trying to eat you know, conscientiously of it and really trying to, not just from a, a a monetary standpoint, but from, you know, health and all of it. Really, really careful. Like I bought some pepperoni uh, to experiment with this week, but that's my cured meat budget for the month. Really and truly, I try and keep like especially cured meat down. And so I think a lot about it. And I was just thinking, is there anything more dog, like all the fast food in America, everything you can get through a window, Double-down sandwiches, you know, fried butter, milkshakes, all of it. Of all the dog shit you can get through a window that you pay money for, that you pay money for, that you know you shouldn't pay money for it, is there anything lower quality and more disappointing than sausage on top of pizza? Sausage is already pretty sketch. It's already, you already have to shine a brighter light on sausage any time you're going to use that is my, is my belief. But the sausage that goes on pizza is sausage that wasn't worthy of Jimmy Dean. You know? Think about, think about the quality of the pork and turkey bits because it's often pork and turkey and chicken at this point, the sausage there. Think about the quality of the pork and whatnot that someone's all like, no, no. No, a sausage McMuffin needs higher quality than this. (laughs) Come on! Come on! There's some standards here. What are we, Uncle Ivan's? Brought it back, and here we go. Mm -hmm. A woman who writes feels too much. Those trances and portents... As if cycles and children and islands weren't enough. As if mourners and gossips and vegetables were never enough. She thinks she can warn the stars. A rider is essentially a spy. Dear love, I am that girl. A man who writes knows too much. Such spells, such fetishes as if erections and congresses and products weren't enough, as if machines and galleons and wars were never enough. With used furniture, he makes a tree. A writer is essentially a crook. Dear love, you are that man. Never loving ourselves, hating even our shoes and our hats, we love each other precious, 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 Our hands are light blue and gentle, our eyes are full of terrible confessions, but when we marry, the children leave in disgust. There is too much good and no one left over to eat up all the weird abundance. The Black Art, Anne Sexton. I never know if I should read something like this from the first line bombastically or not. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to flip the coin and here we go. These hips are big hips. They need space to move around in. They don't fit into little places. These hips are free hips. They don't like to be held back. These hips have never been enslaved. They go where they want to go. They do what they want to do. These hips are mighty hips. These hips are magic hips. I have known them to put a spell on a man and spin him like a top homage to my hips lucille clifton my hands are full of brambles and the woman in that tower a bit more feral than anticipated it turned out she had a bone collection and a habit of turning princes into toads with her hair cut short Sometimes her eyes and cheekbones look so sharp she reminds him of some forest creature gone astray in a floating green dress. He makes dinner for the two of them, gently snapping asparagus in two, cutting the fascia away from the chicken breast with a sigh. A backfire, a black spire, a fear arc, a fae bicker. A creature with a beautiful song and sharp claws. Nothing in the way he pictured it. The knight wonders what, exactly, he rescued. Janine Hall Gailey. <clears throat> oh, my, yes. Phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That's me. I walk into a room just as cool as you please, and to a man the fellows stand or fall to their knees. Then they swarm around me a hive of honey bees. I say, It's the fire in my eyes, and the flash of my teeth. It's the swing in my waist, and the joy in my feet. I'm a woman. Phenomenally. Phenomenal woman. That's me. Men themselves have wondered what they see in me. They try so much, but they can't touch my inner mystery. When I try to show them, they say they still can't see. I say, it's in the arch of my back, the sun of my smile, the ride of my breasts, and the grace of my style. I'm a woman. Phenomenally. Phenomenal woman. That's me. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about. or have to talk real loud. When you are seeing me passing, it ought to make you proud. I say, It's in the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palm of my hand, the need for my care. Because I'm a woman, phenomenally. Say it with me now. Phenomenal woman. That's me. Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou. With me, life becomes sweeter, so she loses some of the ability to defend herself. Yet even this gives her a forlorn sense of satisfaction. I know it by the distracted half-smile on her face. People believe love can do so much, as when they talk incessantly about the weather, they sound as if they're waiting for something incredible to come their way. Nestled against me, isn't she a moron of joy? She loves to tell stories because they're already finished by the start of the telling. Her favorites are driven by longing. She reads and reads, fear rising. But it often appears to me as if she's taking elaborate pains to hurt herself more accurately. Deep in my heart, these things just don't interest me. The indiscriminate effects of time, how the worst can happen. So many things will lie unrealized. That's the math. The way she links things together only brings out the violence. Some of our perfect nights you can't put into words. And certain kinds of defeat, they just keep you up, talking through your hat. Hmm. The Stronger by Sandra Lim. Very interesting title on that one. <clears throat> oh, friends, I am mad with love and no one sees. My mattress is a sword point. How can I sleep when the bed of my beloved is spread open elsewhere? Only those who have felt the knife can understand the wound. Only the jeweler knows the nature of the jewel. I have lost it, and through anguish takes me door to door. No doctor answers. Mira calls her lord, O Dark One, only you can heal that pain. Well, I have to say, I don't really know where that's coming from, but it's gorgeous. Uh, It's entitled Oh Friends, by, it's a single name here, and I'm probably not gonna get it right, Mirabai, M-I-R-A-B-A-I. But I'm afraid I don't know what Mirabai is, or for what language. Uh, I've got nothing for you to offer, besides that was uh, pretty interesting. I feel middle class when I'm in love. I think it's all the poached eggs on birdseed bread, staying up all night on zupla image, walking under cottage beams, the laughter in the garden, kids, a little boy with gold hair keeps standing in my dreams. I read somewhere that it takes a hundred years, I read somewhere that it takes 300 years, about 13 generations, to change your social class. I think about this while I'm having a fag, I'm quitting. My head against the doorbell, it's broken. But sometimes, after my love has left for work, after his hand held shower and a pea in the gaffer tapped loo, I hear it ringing and ringing. Portent by Rachel Long <clears throat> I think with you at the center of my thoughts. Europa orbits Jupiter and centers Jupiter in its thoughts. Europa thinks about its day, spinning around that thing that is slowest to come to when you want to escape. It massages its swollen feet, points to its toes to the wall, points them back. It spins through the day while deferring the day. It spins with no intention to arrive, no intention to push. Spinning shallowly, it thinks of shallow outer space. Europa wets its ankles and is in pain. The pain orbits around Jupiter. Europa hurts. It spins until it forgets Jupiter and thinks of the moment it spun around someone who wasn't there. It's space, and space smiles like a doll whose neck is the only part that turns. When Europa thinks of space, it thinks of the year 5000, or just before the year 5000, or just after the year 5000. It thinks of a star orbiting a far-away star. It writes down a date it can't live in, and writes a diary entry where the letters orbit around letters. The spinning makes them round. The left side of the doll's face is spinning to arrive at the right side. It smiles from ear to ear, and its neck becomes bright blue. A letter came from far away, a letter without an orbit. Every letter in it is a round fence. A bug smoothly steps over the back of another bug, pushing forward a little at a time. It erects the walls that had passed behind it and spins. It presses its back against the thing it left behind. It goes forward. Life Centered Around by Moon Bo Young To be pretty for you, I have dropped two seeds of turnsole in the dark of both eyes. I grafted apple to the quickest vein in the ether wrist. I dug an ounce of poppy seeds where teeth should be, plugged my ears with golden balls of iris. I carved a hole in either breast to swaddle Delilahs over winter, like you. So frightened of the cold. My mouth grows hot with purring, with the tunneling of bees. My tongue become a catacomb with wings will fill with scent. My skull for you, ceramic bowl of flowers you may hurl against the wall. I am ready. Lead the way. Garden by Isabel Durate Gray <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> On this cross quarter day, quick to temper and cool, your long lashes startle me with the rhyme of hoar frost. And I am snared like a rabbit, pulled into your gravity by the run of our long love affair together. The seasons race past, one following another. And the rising sap is soon to hollow the maples again. I will happily freeze in the bone cracking cold just to watch you walk slowly through this sugar bush, rare as a sun dog, incandescent in a fog of softly falling snow. In the Bone Cracking Cold by M. Bartlett Siegel You better give it up, baby, because I'm going to be cold if we live in Michigan with your parents. Come on, baby. That's how I would have written that letter. I'm not a poet. For nothing more than the love of my people, I fight. Staying my path, honoring the ancestors, dragging the children to freedom with the passion of the Christ, Because even as a child, you freed my mind, and I love your imperfections. The way you colored outside the lines through your artwork didn't win any prizes as an adult. Your heart's works saves lives, touches souls, are known even to you. And it pleases God to see you do what you do. Because the truth isn't always what's said but in the hands work and no matter what comes and goes he will be edified through man's work and you you've done a lion's share tending the fields and feeding his sheep until your hands hurt what more can we ask for from this time they leave it in the morning till after the sun cries and your knees hit the floor and i Beseech thee. Take a few moments of time to teach these others, who only pretend to fall short because their work wasn't from the heart when they momentarily motivated from the start, but from the moment that I opened my eyes. There you were, right there, and you've always been, with me looking for the truth so hard, making it hard to find it. But here you stand. And I'll believe in you from now until judgment call. I'll pray that I'll have you from now until to figure out a title to give you. Because you are more than a friend. I'm prepared to be the same to you from now until the end. Perpetually moving through life cycles until my life cycle ends. These might be my last days. This poem might be my last piece. And so I've got to speak my piece, because this piece could very well be my eulogy. In the back of my mind, thoughts of you cascade down like waterfalls, and the waterfalls against glass, drops from my lash, become streams against my cheeks, and puddles in my palms. And for the celestial being you are, I give alms to him. And pray that I receive ilm forthright. And on that night become your generation's protector. And hear the voice of God saying, protect her as I protect you. Sanctify her so that men will see my love through you. And wail, believe. My voice, Kanika, has already taught you to just breathe. So as long as I have breath, love, I will never leave. I understand that many men may have said things like this before. But from now, until the last beat of my heart, every night I'll walk through your door saying, Baby, I'm home. A Poem for Indigo by Voice Porter Ha! Well, that's a funny name to read, because I am a voice porter. I port other people's stuff through voice. I'm a voice porter. That's all the clapping and all the celebration I'm getting for nailing that one? I fucking killed that one. It had biblical references, five-syllable words. I've never seen that shit before. I just lit it on fire. Where are all the panties dropping? I don't see any panties dropping. Oh, there was a time when reading a poem like that would get panties dropping if I spoiled you all too much. Oh, my God. Oh, do you want me to read these next couple ones worse so that when I read something like that, I, I hear it happen? Sting gets panties dropped for, for King of Pain. King of Pain, you won't do it for that? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <clears throat> I am sitting in Sunday school. In a hand-sewn pink dress with white lace tights. I am putting my hand down when we learn about David and Jonathan. I am not asking if King David was by. I am taking communion. I am bowing my head in the pew so the stained glass burns. A rainbow into my back, not my face. I am adopted into a family with two dads who sing praises of RuPaul and Gaga, so I don't think twice when I am lying on the floor in her treehouse on a Sunday morning and she is holding my hands between hers as if in a gentle prayer. I am sneaking away from church camp to skinny dip or play suck and blow with five stranger friends who are sleeping on the beach, and the fireflies flutter in my chest when my paper falls first between her and I, and then, later, them. I am screaming as my mother watches them take me away. Her sandbag silence will haunt me in other lives, lives where I am not restrained in the glass box as the elders of the church pour holy water over my face to drown out the devil in me while I choke and splutter. But I love her. I love her. I am straight as my teeth or as a church pew, and my mother doesn't hate me. In Another String of the Multiverse, Perhaps, by Michaela Batten. Wow. Pretty powerful. Uh -uh. Okay. Tell that to the palm of this black man's hand, ever so slightly cupped and carrying in its bend the fingertips of another black man, both of them, arms stretching upward towards the sky, measuring their reach against one another on a basketball court in Brooklyn, in spring. Okay, spring. When I say spring, I mean bees buzzing near a pink bud, almost bursting spring, tantric spring. Everyone's outside in three-quarters sleeves despite the virus buzzing near our tongue spring. So you can't tell me it's not sex, cause it's not, not sex, the risk of all this tenderness. All this giving of ourselves, all the inside on the outside, open, vulnerable. I know sex when I see it, and I see it everywhere. Lips on the nipple of a soft serve, an arm flat deep in a grocery store shelf, digging for the last can of gosso beans, so it's not a menage a toi of these three men snuggled in front of a seat of a moving van, singing bacata dancing from the hips up in the windows. Open throats, open, the hole next to the wind. Reckless, reckless, I tell you, full on abandon. So say what you will about transmission, about fluid skin to skin, about the necessary things that make the dead the dead. I don't care, because it's spring, and I've never seen anything so intimate. All this touch till taken in the face of the apocalypse. Not everything is sex by Lauren Whitehead, who needs to get fucking laid. (laughs) Hey, she's the one who says that she's seeing sex and that you can't tell her otherwise when she's looking at soft serve. I'm a horny bastard, but come on. I even let women eat bananas without harassing them. I know something's cooking when you give me that look. Your eyes appearing slightly crossed above your CPAP mask, which you start taking off. The mask that saves you from death, but apnea, but also makes you a look little, a little snorkeler, like a little snorkeler from Dreamland, or an escapee from a tear gas flight. And I'm excited, but I've got my own gear to deal with, especially in winter, Tugging off my socks and grappling with my flannel pajamas and beret and scarf. Yes, it's that cold in here. Because you don't like when the heat's on. When you sleep, and we've been arguing about this since we've met. But we're getting fired up. I hear the farting, whooshing sound of air going out of the CPAP box while I uncap the box of squickled, Settling it on the windowsill, glancing at the label that says spontanically infused," which I've learned means we won't die if we get it in our mouths, and I negotiate the physics once again of how to shove liquid upward as we move enthusiastically but carefully, so as not to hurt your disgenerating discs and pinched nerves or sore hip and wrecked knee. And we're almost in place, like trapeze artists who have had an accident. When the cat jumps up on the bed and nestles between my feet, and I'm on top of you despite my bad knee for better aim and leverage, with one foot on its toe, trying to keep... <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep my minisitis from hitting the mattress... And the cat's purring, and it's hard to concentrate. But by God, we're going to do this. And we do it. Our 30 years together not exactly disappearing because they're stuck in our faces. Oh, hot damn. Hallelujah. I slowly roll off, and we lie side by side, asking each other, Are you okay? Smiling at the ceiling, satisfying and proud, as if we won a prize, the cat, ignoring us as usual, licks her privates. (laughs) Still doing it by Susan Brown with an E. (laughs) I let her garden go, let it go, let it go. How can I watch the hummingbird hover to sip? With its beak tip and the purple bee balm, whirling as we heard it years ago, the weeds rise rank and thick. Let it go! Let it go! Where annuals grew and the burdock grows, where stranding she sees at once she could, the peony, the lily, the rose rise over the brick. She laid in patterns moss. Let it go! Let it go! Turns the bricks green, softening them by gray rocks where hollyhocks that lofted while she lived, stem by tall stem, blossom with loss. Her Garden by Donald Hall. Whew, all right. He took me like a mother drew my head towards himself, pulled me onto his lap, wrapped his arms around me, and cooed into my hair, softly, as if I was dreaming, and he didn't want to wake me. He sang a song that sounded like birds singing in the sycamore, and then tree frogs, and wanted to leave. I stayed where I was. He wore a lovely shirt, his hair was surprisingly kempt. There was half a candlepiece in a rug of quarters, tomato soup on the stove, and I thought, what a shirt. I prayed my breasts would magically spill from their zipper. I wanted to feel my calloused heels on his thighs. I wanted to linger till dawn. He pared his nails, scratching an itch that had eluded me for years. I cried as if I were slicing onions in his kitchen. He was a good mother. He held me like a daughter, as if I was just as beautiful as he believed me to be. Beast and Beauty by Vavé Francais, which has got to be a nom de prume, because that looks so close to... Long live France. Viva Francais. V I V E. To live or long live. <laughs> Viva Francais. Oh, that's got to be a pun. All right. Last poem of the evening. Thank you to everybody who sent one in that we did get through before we closed up the drawbridge for the night. Please send them in for next week. I absolutely want to read them then. <clears throat> Cartography seems the strangest science today. As morning alters the fitting of the hour to from shapes wholly new, wishing I did not know that, to leave, it is down and right past the neighbor's potted plan palm, across the street to meet the river, then ahead again until the train station crowds into view. I search the infinity enclosed here for any time the future could spare. Between the words lost and losing, entire words change hands. Where the latter informs negation, the other is duplicitous with potentialities, becoming something even desired. Suddenly one is alert to all the colors returned to sight by merely looking. A lack of familiarity striking the common into curiosity, jest. As in the folktales, in which death plays detective, the wanderer is the one who evades the blade. It is so wonderful to not be found, but to be finding. As I discover in Tokyo, whose streets resemble labyrinth, pierced with rodentrod in the spring and thundering ginkgo in the autumn, and remember again when you laugh, and I Do not ask why. And I do not want to know either to whom this room belonged to before us, or where the smell of fruit is coming from, or why a fog rises to challenge the knowledge of places once intimately kept. I am grateful that within you, and only the unknown lives, that even as what passes between us is frail and limited and human, We still dream of things resembling the eternal. In Love as in Tourism by Zhao Yu Shan We had some lovely poems tonight. Thank you, all the girls. We're going to get right on into love letters because I know so many of you love the love letters so much. Eight days have passed since I parted from F.F., and already it is as though I have been eight years away from her, although I can now avow that not one hour has passed without her memory, which has become such a close companion to my thoughts that now, more than ever, it is the food and substance of my soul. And if it should endure like this a few days more, as seems it must, I truly believe it will in every way have assumed the office of my soul. And I thought, then live and thrive on the memory of her, as do other men upon their souls, and I shall have no life in this single thought. Let the God, who so decrees do as he will, so long as in this exchange I may have as much a part of her as shall suffice to prove the gospel of our affinity is founded on true prophecy. I often find myself recalling with what ease certain words spoken to me, some of the balcony with the moon as witness, others at that window, I shall always look upon so gladly with all the many endearing and gracious acts that I have seen my gentle lady perform. For all the dancing about my heart with a tenderness so wondrous that they inflame me with a strong desire to beg her to test the quality of my love for i shall never rest content until i am certain she knows what she is able to enact in me and how great and strong the fire that her great worth has kindled in my breast the flame of true love is a mighty force, and most of all when two equally matched wills in the two exalted minds contend to see which loves the most, each striving to give yet more vital proof. It would be the greatest delight for me to see just two lines in F.F.'s hand, yet I dare not ask so much. May your ladyship beseech her to perform whatever you feel is best for me. With my heart, I kiss your ladyship's hands, since I cannot with my lips. Pietro Bembo to, I'm going to go with Lucrenza Borgia. Oh, those 1500s Italian men, they sure know how to talk about kissing them hands. I am a prisoner here in the name of the king. They can take my life, but not the love that I feel for you. Yes, my adorable mistress, tonight I shall see you, even if I have to put my head on the block to do it. For heaven's sake, do not speak to me in such disastrous terms as you write. You must live and be cautious. Beware of madame, your mother, as you would your worst enemy. What do I say? Beware of everybody. Trust no one. Keep yourself in readiness as soon as the moon is visible. I shall leave this hotel incognito, take a carriage or a chase, and we shall drive like the wind to Savrion. I shall take paper and ink with me. We shall write our letters. If you love me, reassure yourself, and call all your strength and presence of mind to your aid. Do not let your mother's instincts notice anything. Try to have your pictures and be assured that the menace of the greatest tortures will not prevent me to serve you. No, nothing has the power to part me from you. Our love is based upon virtue and will last as long as our lives do. There is nothing that I will not brave for your sake. You deserve much more than that. Adieu. My dear heart. From Voltaire to his wife. Soon to be wife. <laughs> I have just arrived this morning, Christmas morning. Here's the 12th of December. My darling, I do not like it at all. <laughs> All the chairs are staring at me in the most frightful way, and there's a lady on the mantelpiece who has taken a great objection to me. I am awfully scared. This is no place for a person with a nice, cheerful disposition like me. It looks like those parlors in the novels where they plot things. All night long on the train has not been flying over, but going pin by pin over the great fields of snow, vast plains of snow, great bare countries covered with snow. Walt Whitman couldn't have written him up fine. Ah, and over all of this, moon shining. And across the window, across a golden shower of sparks from the locomotive, it was quite worth seeing, and I lay there looking out on all of it, thinking of you, of you, my dearest, sweetest, best darling. The city is covered in snow, and little says rushing madly about. All things go in sliders, of course. I send you many little missives along the way. I hope they arrive. I must go now and wash the suit off and have my breakfast. Give my love to dear, dear number 11, to that musty little dear home number 6. And for you, dear. Oh, and for you, your dear self, my heart, is overflowing with just the most unoriginal, old fashioned sort of love. Write to me and tell me, I go now to Splash. Your Isadora. Isadora Duncan to, to Gordon Craig. I'm just going to admit it. I thought I was reading a dude the whole way through. <laughs> I thought I was reading a rather dapper guy having a pretty good time. But nope, just a lady bored of snow and didn't like the house that she fucking ended up in because there's nobody else there. Dope. <laughs> Nothing about traveling for the holidays has changed. <laughs> oh, that would have been her Instagram update, too. Oh my god, guys, there was so much snow, but it was so pretty. Here's a picture of the lights and everything. Here's a picture of where I'm staying. It's very cottage core. <laughs> have you really not noticed then that here, of all places, in this private, personal solitude that surrounds me, I have turned. To you. All the memories of my youth speak to me as I walk, just as the seashells crunch under my feet on the beach, the crash every wave awakens, far distant reverberations within me. I hear the rumble of bygone days, and in my mind, the whole endless series of old passions surges forward like the billows. I remember my spasms, my sorrows. Gusts of desire that whistled like wind in the rigging. And vast, vague longings that swirled in the dark like a flock of wild gulls in a dark storm cloud. On whom shall I lean if not you? My weary mind turns for refreshment to the thought of you as a dusty traveler might sink onto a soft grassy bank. Gustave Flaubert to his wife Louise Collet <clears throat> Sophie, to be with the people one loves, says La Briere is not enough. To dream you are speaking to them, not speaking to them, thinking of them, thinking of the most indifferent things, but by their side, nothing else matters. Oh, mon ami, how true that is. And it is also true that when one acquires such a habit, it becomes a necessary part of one's existence. Alas! I well know that I shall too, since the three months that I sigh, far away from thee, that I possess thee no more, than my happiness has departed. However, with every morning I wake up, I look for you, and see to me that half of myself is missing, and that is too true. Twenty times during the day I ask myself where you are. Judge how strong the illusion is and how cruel it is to see it vanish. When I go to bed, I do not fail to make room for you. I push myself quite close to the wall and leave a great empty space in my small bed. This movement is mechanical. These thoughts are involuntary. Ah, how one accustoms oneself to happiness. Alas... One only knows it well when one has lost it, and I'm sure we have only learnt to appreciate how necessary we are to each other since the Thunderbolt has parted us. The source of our tears has not dried up, dear Sophie. We cannot become healed. We have enough in our hearts to love always, and because of that, enough to weep always. Count Gabriel Honner de Merbeau to his lover. Sophie, and we've got one final love letter. So thank you to everybody who did go ahead and throw these in for this week. Know that you're appreciated. And I get all of the praise and compliments and tips and all that good stuff for all your hard work. So thank you very much. I appreciate you. Okay, right, here we go. <clears throat> My dearest husband. I was at the date of marriage a very different being from what I am now and stood in relation to the Heavenly Father in a very different attitude. My whole desire was to live in love, absorbing passionate devotion to one person. Our separation was my first trial, but then came a note of comfort in the hope of being a mother. No creature ever so longed to see the face of a little one, or had such a heart full of love to bestow. Here came in trial again sickness, pain, perplexity, constant discouragement, wearing wasting days and nights across, deceitful, unprincipled nurse, husband, gone. And when you came back, you came only to increasing perplexities. Ah, how little comfort I had in being a mother. How was all that I proposed met and crossed may meet ever hedged up. In short, God would teach me that I should make no family be my chief good and portion and bitter as the lesson has been. I thank him for it from my very soul. One might naturally infer that from the union of two both morbidly sensitive and acute, yet in many respects exact opposites, one hasty and impulsive, the other sensitive and brooding, one the very personification of exactness and routine, and the other to whom everything of the kind was an irksome effort. From all this we should one infer but one painful friction. But all this would not, after all, have done so much had not Providence, as if intent to try and throw us upon the heaviest external pressure. But still, where you have failed your faults, you have been to me those of one beloved. Of the man who, after all, would be the choice of my heart, still were I to choose. From where I now free, I should chew, I should again love, just as I did again, free that I could give up all, to and, and for you. And if I do not love, never again love again, with the blind and unwise love with which I married, I love quite as truly thou far more wisely. In reflecting upon the future union, our marriage, the past obstacles to our happiness, it seems to me that there are two or three kinds: first, those from physical causes, both in you and me, such as on your part, a hypochondriac, morbid instability, for which the only remedy is physical care and attention to the laws of health, and on my part, an excess of sensitivity and for the confusion and want of control of mind, and memory. This always increases on my part in portion as I blame the found fault with and, I hope, will decrease with returning health. I hope that we shall both be impressed with most solemn sense of the importance of a wise and constant attention to the laws of health. Then in the second place... The want of any definite plan of mutual watchfulness with regard to each other's improvement, of a definite time and place of doing so, with a firm determination to improve and be improved by each other, to confess our faults one to another, and pray one for another that we may be healed. Wow. I didn't see this one coming. Yours, with much love, Harriet Beecher Stowe. Whoa, didn't see that one coming. For those of you unawares, Harriet Beecher Stowe run Uncle Tom's Cabin, and I've gone off about it briefly, but Uncle Tom's Cabin is unquestionably, by any record of Library of Congress or anything else you want to go into, Definitely one of the top three selling books in the U.S. in the 1800s. It was an absolute phenomenal success. It was an MCU level of cultural success for its time. And that's why people are still making references to it 40, 50 years later in the early 1900s. I mean, wow. Okay, and look at all that suffering she's talking about and everything that she translated into it. Wow. Wow. I really didn't see that coming. That was that was something. Thank you to whoever suggested that one. Okay. Well, I kind of feel strange transitioning from something so serious and meaningful and, and deep and embedded in the whole human and american experience thing, uh as as the innate suffering of the soul that we just saw of, of one of America's truly great authors <laughs> into 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 tweenage into tweenage werewolf fantasy smut, but that's where we're heading. That's where we're going. That's the road we're taking. I just need a little sippy poo. Mm. I look forward to the whole show all week. But I've been looking forward to this all fucking week. As soon as I saw the title of chapter 12, I got real excited last week. And I'm like, this is going to be good. So, like, in the exact same way I get excited for, like, ooh, I'm going to make pizza rice this week. It's going to be delicious. Yes, pizza rice. You heard it correctly. Look it up yourself. In the exact same way, you better have been drinking earlier, Candy. Beer, not cider? Darling, you're changing on me. (laughs) And for the better, I love it because I can't stand hot cider. I, (laughs) yeah, I'm the angry orchard here. You made me pay ten dollars for six fucking bottles of five per cent. I'm furious i'm a whole I'm a whole angry plantation <laughs> <laughs> I was looking forward to this all week long. Let's see if we're going to close it out tonight. Oh, oh yeah! Could you hear those neck pops? Oh yeah, those are solid. Yeah, those are some, those are some poetry snaps. That's some, that's some. My back is healed now. Fear me, but not quite yet. I have been talking about this for a while, especially women I have dates with, because you know sometimes, sometimes my my back will be out of alignment or what have you, or it has been, it hasn't been in twenty twenty two. Go healing and all that. But like you know, if I if I have a relationship with a woman like that, and we have a schedule, uh, you can't fake it. You know that's a health condition. So at the time, I've I, I've over the years had to just be like really honest with women who have seen me and that sort of thing, and be really vulnerable with them. And you know, sometimes it's it's led to challenges feeling sexy, and sometimes it's led to me feeling all the more sexy because look at what I can get through in my day, you know. So, uh, <laughs> I was just. The other day, uh, doing stretches in on the patio because it's got a cement floor. It's kind of it kind of doubles as my mud room. You know, I take off my shoes, uh, you know, when I go in and out of the house, right there, so I don't track any more dirt in. And you know, I keep brooms and mops and stuff out there. It's a mud room kind of, semi semi sort. And because, uh, you know, cats are dirty. So, you know, like, why clean the area for her? I'm just fucking around. It's just the cats don't care. And she loves the windows and everything. So don't get too mad at me. Uh, so I, I was out there and I was doing my stretches on the cement. And I can get slightly better pops uh, from, from, from when I do my standing stretches and not my floor stretches out there. And so I'm going left to ride. And I'm just like, I forget. I zone out. Because, you know, I'm just, like, looking at what's going on out in front like the cat when she's out there. And I'll get distracted, like somebody walk by, and I'll be doing my neck left. I might actually do a pop right now. I'm a little nervous about doing this, but I'll be just, you know, like real slow and real easy. I'm just doing my neck. My arms are out in kind of a weird way. And if anybody, like any of my neighbors or anybody driving by looks through and they see me, they see a hooded figure with a robe. With the hood like all the way over their face and their arms are out and they're stretching and they're immediately a little bit concerned because it does look like a horror movie and like they keep driving and they never come back and it's exactly what i want and so i'll just you know be doing the stretch or something i'll lose that or i'll be looking for a cat or something i'm snapping and i was just doing this it was a nice little light stretch and then all of the sudden one of the loudest, most violent fucking... Like, I have paid chiropractors and shit. One of the loudest, most violent pops. And I immediately... I immediately screamed. And I'm not exaggerating. Who's there? Because, like, somebody had to be knocking or attacking or something, right? Like, I knew that my shoulder was going into place. But I screamed out, who's there? Like, in a deep, scary... I'm really trying to intimidate people's voice. To nobody, obviously, don't act like the like someone's going to answer or something. I'm just saying, I just went, and it went, I wasn't expecting it at all. I was like, ah, who's there? And then ever since then, I have felt so fucking good. I immediately, like within... I'm saying two, three minutes of that. I like ran back into this room. This is where I do my floor exercises in this room. I like ran back into this room and I did all my exercises and everything. And I've been stretching, stretching, stretching all that. The reason why I talk about this uh, as just kind of like a, a little way to brag on myself before I get into the werewolf part that I know you've all been waiting for. And it's fun to tease you about because this is the part of the show that you're all excited about and actually interact with. I, what, was that bad? Uh, The reason why I'm telling you all this and enjoying it so fucking much, and I mean, like, so fucking much, is for, like, the first time ever, uh, just the last couple of weeks, whether it be pre-show or pre-date or anything else that's got a scheduled time, like, uh, I do my stretches and everything right beforehand, and now I just feel like a fucking god. Like, I don't know if you can hear, and you can hear the difference in the amount of, like, effort or voice control that I'm putting into it, the amount that I'm, like, not moving around or, or sitting down or whatnot. I sit down, and I get in, I get in the chair. I, I pull the recording stuff on. I swip on all the recording uh, mode switches and all that. And when I sit down, it just feels so fucking good. And I haven't, for the first time in a long time, had to make any apologies or anything. And everybody's saying how good I sound. And I just think it's so funny that I'm taking this sexy joie de vivre energy in. And what am I going to do with it? I'm going to make fun of a fucking 12-year-old's idea of romance. I've been looking forward to it all week. Let's fucking go, kids! Let's do it! Chapter 12, Mr. and Miss Smith, Part 1. I woke up to an empty house, yet like every other day, just like this Saturday, That could actually be a Beatles lyric. It honestly makes me wonder if my parents really care at all about me. I let out a sigh and walked out of my bedroom into the kitchen. A note lay in the kitchen counter, and just by looking at the handwriting, I could tell it was my mom who left the note. Didn't even wake her up. Dearest Victoria, your father and I got a call for a meeting in the Bahamas, so we won't get around for a week. We left some money in your savings account. And tigres, all the supplies you need in the house. Look after yourself, lock the doors, love mom. I let out a frustrated groan as I tore up the paper in anger. They're never home, never there for me, never proper parent figures. I envy people when they speak might of their parents, but I can't help but want to cry. <laughs> my cell phone rang as Zoltan's number popped up, making a smile pop up on my face. Hello? I said. Victoria, is something the matter? I felt an uneasy emotion coming through through the mate bond. He said, concern laced in his voice. It's nothing. Nothing at all. I lied to him. He hummed at my response, not pushing further. Are you busy today? He asked, making my eyes furrow in confusion. No, I'm not. I answered him. Very well, then. Wear your best dress and do your hair. He said in a commanding tone. Why? I questioned him. Well, you're going to meet my parents. They've been dying to meet my mate. "'So Mom's making a huge dinner, inviting my entire family over, "'and it seems like everyone wants to see you,' he said, "'making me gulp. "'My hands were already sweaty and my face heated up in nervousness. "'I wasn't ready, was I?' "'Okay, sure,' I said, as his voice filled with happiness. "'Thank you. "'I dropped the phone, running up my bedroom!' looking for something to wear. And honestly, right at this moment, everything looked unimpressive. How was I, Victoria, supposed to meet my boyfriend mate's parents? I let out a groan of annoyance. And a long sigh. I walked to the bathroom, turning on the shower. I guess this means shopping for me. I finished up, headed out and door towards the mall. I couldn't help but feel uncomfortable. Someone was watching me. I could feel it. I shook my head, trying to shake off the feeling, but it wasn't happening. I rushed into the mall, going to one of the stores, and i looking for a dress. I had taken Dad's spare bank card. They should pay for them leaving me. Again. I found a rather beautiful red dress. It had black, lake, and it looked perfect. That's how she wrote it. I wouldn't mind wearing that dress for my wedding, but it wouldn't be suitable. I chose the dress and told the sales lady, and she got it packed for me as I paid with the card. I'm sure it cost a couple of hundreds, but who cares? I walked back to Dad's car, turning the ignition and driving back home. I put the dress up in the closet and got down to eating lunch. I moped around the house playing a few video games. It's times like this I wish I had a sibling. One I could have fun with. Bring alone sucks. (laughs) I took a little nap and woke up just in time. She's always fucking passing out for five, six hours at a time. This woman, she's got anemia or something. (laughs) She just had lunch, she's passing out, she's waking up at 7. something wrong with her, man. (laughs) Zoltan texted me, telling me he was coming at 7, so I had like, three hours on me. I curled my hair and began doing my makeup, which only consisted of eyeliner and lip gloss. I'm not the foundation type. (laughs) Me neither. After stream-ironing the red dress, I slipped it on and found the perfect matching black pumps. Yeah, pumps. I don't feel comfortable wearing heels because I'm too nerdy. <laughs> I touched my hair and makeup, and that's when the doorbell rang. I let out a sigh. I have a feeling I'm going to look stupid in front of them. I opened the door to a handsome looking Sultan. He stared at me up and down before embedding a frown on his face. Change, was all he said. I wanted to hit him with my purse. He doesn't say, you look pretty, or you look stunning. He says change. I stared at him in disbelief. Why? I asked him. Because you look too good, and there will be lustful relatives and friends. I don't want them staring at what's mine, he said in a possessive tone. And mind, you sound good coming from him. Then show them that, I said. Pushed him out the door, locking the front door and running to his car. Zoltan rolled his eyes at me and got into the driver's seat. And we were off to the Smiths. Let this go well. Chapter 13. I need your help. Oh, okay, sorry. Chapter thir- sorry, Chapter 13 wasn't actually Chapter 13. It was just her going like, hey, help me out here, guys. Tell me how to end the story, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> chapter 13, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Part 2. Nothing could explain the nervousness I was feeling right now. We pulled up in front of a huge house as Zoltan pulled me into the driveway. My palms began feeling sweaty with his parents like me? I let out a breath as you felt Zoltan hand wrap around mine. I can feel your nervousness through the Mare Bond. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It says Mare Bond. It doesn't say Mate Bond that one time. It says Mare Bond. I'm not. I didn't slip it up. I just... Before I forget, I'm definitely doing a Google image search for Mare Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I can smell you through the Mare Bond. (laughs) Ah! Woo! Pull it together, man! Come on! I can't help but worry, I'll do something for them to hate me. I said to him, honestly, <laughs> Zoltan ribbed my hand and cut <laughs> my cheek in his hand. They'll love you. Well, I know for sure my mom will, but I don't care about anyone else. He reassured everyone but the audience. I smiled at his words as he placed a gentle kiss on his he- on he cheek. Zoltan got out of his side of the car as my heart beat rapidly against my chest. I got out from my side of the door with shaky hands and walked to Zoltan's side. He slipped his hands around my waist and pulled me close to him as he rung the bell. I waited for a moment, taking a deep breath. This was it. No turning back. The door opened for a beautiful woman to stand in front of me, She was beautiful beyond compare. She stood in a beautiful dress, all dressed up. Her eyes seemed to light up when she saw Zoltan. Zoltan, honey, I've missed you so much. She said to him, and that got my heart aching. My mother and father were never close to me and were hardly home. It was only in the last three years they decided I didn't need a nanny to look after me and left me alone. Zoltan's mom looked at me. A smile overcame her face. A warm, motherly vibe erupted from her. And this must be your mate, Victoria, and soon-to-be Luna of the pack. Victoria, it's nice to meet you. I'm Zoltan's mom, Adrienne. Thank you for loving my son. She said to me and pulled me into a hug. After exchanging smiles, she left us through the door, and we walked into a homey-feeling house. It felt lively. So happy. (laughs) Mom, where's Dad? Zoltan questioned Adrienne. She seemed to let out a sigh of irritation. Arriving late, like always, she said as she let out a sigh. We sat in the living room exchanging questions as we waited for Zoltan's father to arrive. We spoke about almost everything, and Adrienne was an amazing mother to her young, early 30s. (laughs) Ah, hold on, let me read that one more time. We spoke about almost everything, and Adrienne was an amazing mother and was young, her early 30s. (laughs) Well, now hold on. Let's just say 33 is is early 30s still. (laughs) And let's just say that werewolf babies do still gestate nine months. (laughs) Adrienne, you're mad at your husband in the situation that you're in. Don't make your fucking son go through it too. Does she all think this is happening at some magic place, or did they just walk into a double-wide trailer? Oh. Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 Ah, It's just so out of nowhere. Okay. Apparently, she had met Zoltan's dad when she was 16. They did the math for us. Okay. Things took a turn for the left there. The door opened as a powerful present made its way into the house. I stood up immediately, and Zoltan's father came into view, with two children by his side. Zoltan looked at his father, and you could see the resemblance both of them shared, minus the eyes, because Zoltan's eyes matched none of his parents. Father, he said without any emotion. It was like a wall stood between them. Zoltan? The father said in the same tone. Listen, the two of you, and listen good. I will not have you ruin this dinner that I worked so hard to make with your issues. Victoria is going to be impressed with her soon-to-be mother-in-law, so don't you dare ruin it for me. Adrienne said sternly and walked out of the room. Zoltan! The two kids screeched in happiness as rhetorical tackled As rhetoric tackled Jim to the ground, making me laugh? As rhetoric tackled Jim to the ground, making me laugh? As rhetoric I have no idea what that's about. Happy happiness as rhetoric tackled Jim to the ground. I mean rhetoric and diction is tackling us all. It's causing us all to stagger to certain degree, so I guess it might actually be happening to a character at this point. All right. (laughs) Mia, Evan Zoltan smiled at them. I turned to Zoltan's father and held a scary look in his eyes. I cleared my throat, taking out my hand. Good evening, sir. I'm Zoltan's mate, Victoria. It's a pleasure meeting you, former alpha. <laughs> I said with a smile. <laughs> ah, he's thirty-three. It's a, former, it's a pleasure meeting you, old man over the hill. Well, hold on! Hold on! We only know that Adrian none of it's 16. We don't know how old he was. They didn't, they didn't specify. They didn't specify. <laughs> 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 he seemed disgusted by me as he looked at my hand in my face and then to Zoltan with a frown. You didn't she was human, his father said with a tinge of anger laced in his voice. And what does her being human mean? I love her, and she's my mate. Hearing those words made my heart flutter. She's going to make you weak, Zoltan. She's not strong enough to lead. His father growled out, sounding like Zoltan from Space Ghost. Listen, father. Zoltan spat out venomously. Don't you bad talk about my mate, or you'll regret it. You are my father, and I respect you. But my mate, us, first property. I, priority, I don't put tears in her eyes, and I won't allow you to put them there. He said in anger, I placed my hand on his shoulder, calming him down. I'm sorry, sir. I'll try and prove myself. I said trying to fix the problem. Oh, honey, get used to it in this marriage. <laughs> the only thing you'll do is destroy Zoltan, and that's it! He doesn't need someone weak by his side, too. Just then, the bell rang, and the door was opened. You could hear talking as heels clucked on the ground. A girl about my age with such beauty walked into the room the presence of the air doled even more she saw zoltan and smiled but zoltan froze zoltan she said walking up and putting her arms around his neck making my jealousy light up i hated watching her but probably they were siblings or friends she moved a bit away and placed a lingering kiss on his lips and my heart shattered. I stood there for almost half a minute as Zoltan didn't push her away. It was only when he caught my eye he pushed her away. The tears started brimming in my eyes as I looked at him in the eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Who's putting tears in her eyes now? Her father contradicted his earlier words with a snort. (laughs) <laughs> with the, with the, with the <laughs> most, most plot congruency that we've had so far in any of these chapters, something actually referencing back and coming actually happened. We watched it. It's amazing. <laughs> Victoria? He said my name, but I looked away from him. As the tears rolled out of my eyes, Zoltan looked angry, hurt, and regretful. Adrian walked out into the living room as she looked between all of us. What's going on? Why is my sweet Victoria crying? I rubbed my eyes and forced a smile on my quivering lips. It's nothing at all, Adrian. I just need the bathroom. Where is it? I questioned. Upstairs, second door on the left, she said, and I nodded and moved up the stairs. The only thing on my mind kept repeating was, Why? Chapter 14, Whispers of the Night. I stared at myself in the mirror. The pain was piercing my heart. Why didn't he pull away? The tears spilled more. I spent a little time in the bathroom before composing myself and walking out of the bathroom. Adrienne spent a lot of tone on this dinner. I wasn't going to ruin it. I walked down the steps as Zoltan stood silently in the corner. (laughs) He's been a very bad dog. That's what I know. When you've got a dinner party and there's been an issue and you make the dog sit in the corner, the dog's been a very bad boy. It's a very bad dog. (laughs) When he caught my scent, looked at me instantly. I looked away and headed for Adrian, who was on the other side of the... Living room. He seemed hurt, but honestly, I just can't stand to look at him after what just happened. The girl from earlier sat on the couch, typing away. I want to imagine her on a typewriter, not a phone. (laughs) Okay, I don't know what happened, but don't ruin the mood with your faces. Let's celebrate. Come on, let's eat. Adrienne said, making me smile. We walked to the dining table. My seat was allocated next to Zoltan, but I don't bother, sparing him a glance. It was ups- I was upset, and I had every right to be. <laughs> we dished out and began eating. The girl from earlier say and ate as her eyes trained at Zoltan, who looked upset. Desiree, what are you doing here? Adrian asked with a tinge of bitterness in her tone. I don't know what to do for this fucking voice. Oh, Adrian, I came to see Zoltan after all he and I were dating and engaged before he left. And that made my eyes snap to Zoltan. Were you ever going to tell me? I asked him. Maybe on your second date. I I usually wait till a second or third date before I bring up ex-fiancés. <laughs> Just personally. He looked down at his lap. Victoria, you gave to understand. <laughs> I didn't plan for this to happen. <laughs> I didn't want it to turn out this way, he said, voice cracking but I could care less. I feel betrayed, hurt, crushed by his secrets. I push my chair back and stop grabbing my purse. I'm leaving. I said to him, moving R. I could hear Adrian asking me to stay. Zone looked like he was about to move, but I had already begun to sprint. I ran into the woods, the forest. I walked through the forest, a tear rolling out of my eyes. This was why being alone is better. I never had a problem. If I had never met Zoltan, my heart never would have been shattered. I wouldn't have been so betrayed. My eyes felt heavy. (laughs) She did just go for a run, so this is the anemia kicking in. I felt tired. I was in pain. I could hear buzzing in my head and it got louder and louder. These are actually symptoms of anemia! All right, Victoria. (laughs) Sorry. The voyeur began speaking. Come to me, sweet Victoria. The voice echoed through the forest, whisper-asper-whisper, whisper, whisper, overlapping each other. I felt an arm in my shoulder making my heart race. I turned around to face Zoltan. He stared at Mr. in the eyes, not oot, not I can't fucking believe what I'm fucking seeing before. Just give me 1 second, kids. Sometimes you have to look away for just 1 second. I'll read I'll read the sentence again. Ooh. Just 1 second. I wish I could copy and paste this for you so that you could see it for yourself if you're here live. Just 1 second. I felt an arm in my shoulder making my heart race. I turned around to face Zoldan. He stared at Mister in the eyes, not uttering a word. I was so curious who Mister was. It's me. He looked me in the eyes, not uttering a word. But the actual sentence is He stared at Mister in the eyes, not uttering a word. Zoltan, I want to be alone. I'm too hurt to listen to you right now. I said to him, simply staring at me, Baby, will you please listen to what I give to tell you? Hearing his husky voice made me weak in the knees, but I wasn't going to give up. No, Zoltan, how could you? I thought you loved me, but in honesty, I can see how much you despise me. You betrayed me. I feel so betrayed. I feel so hurt. My heart is shattered. Why do I feel like I'm going to die? Why does it... He cut me off with his lips overtaking mine. He kissed me, bonding my hands on each side of me. He pushed me against a steady tree and kissed me harder. It felt too passionate as if trying to convert his feelings. He pulled away, his gray-ice-blue eyes staring at mine intently. His pupils were dilated, and I felt hot. We moved away from each other, our hearts beating fast. Believe me, Tory, when I say this, you're mine, and only mine. I love you so damn much. I would never hurt you on purpose. You gave to listen to why this is like this. He pleaded. And I simply sighed, giving in, letting my heart open up and connect. One more chapter, chapter 15, or for tonight, chapter 15, Victoria, my beloved. I close my eyes in and take a breath. I look Zoltan (laughs) I close my eyes, taking in a breath. I look Zoltan in his eyes. He looked at me with so much sincerity. (laughs) He looked... Stop it, you're hurting me! God damn it, you can't do that! Don't close your eyes and begin four fucking sentences with looked in a row! Come on, I'm only human! He looked as much pain as I was. I know it wasn't his fault, but it partly is his. After all, he kissed him and stood still, and I'd still be going to kiss her back. The tears began to brim in my eyes again, and my heart squeezed in pain. I couldn't bear the pain of knowing what to say. His body shook as he touched my cheeks, wiping away my tears. Please, baby, don't cry. I can feel your pain. I didn't mean to out the tears in your eyes. I didn't mean to hurt you. I never meant to do anything like that on purpose. Outing the tears in your eyes sounds like an awesome fucking... George Michael song that was really good but nobody gave it listened to like outing the tears in your eyes is like the the best way to talk about how somebody's tears are gay that I've ever like you're crying is gay you're crying gay tears <laughs> those are the those are only the tears that a gay man could be crying right now those are Harvey milk tears if I ever saw them, motherfucker I'm out in the tears in your eyes <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. We hit a little too much of the silly juice tonight. <clears throat> <laughs> I never do anything like that to you on purpose. I smiled a little and wiped my tears away, stopping myself from crying. I know I'm pathetic, but I can't explain the feeling I'm having tight now. Mm-mm. Titan now is telling you why you're having those feelings. Please, Victoria, let me explain, he pleaded. I sighed, agreeing, but I doubt I will feel better after I went through. We sat under the tree. He took a breath and turned to look at me. Where do I start? He chuckled lightly. How about how she comes into the story, I said. Zoltan nodded and began his story explanation. Desiree and I were childhood friends. She wasn't like this before. She was such a great person. But after getting her heart broken so many times, she lost trust and began to hate herself. She felt she wasn't worth it. That's when I decided to step in and help redeem herself. He said (laughs) as he looked at the ground. So what do you do? I asked him. Well, Desiree was always in love with me. But I knew I didn't, so my opportunity to help her was to dare her. I asked her out, and she agreed, and she became my girlfriend. He looked up at the sky. (laughs) Our parents had made an agreement. When I turned 19, and I hadn't found my mate, I would have to mate Desiree, and she would become my Luna and mate. Of course, didn't agree, so I started attending the high school. Your scent looked often, but often missed you. You were like a cloud that kept disappearing into thin air. But after when we had met in the classroom, I had finally found you, my beloved mate. He smiled brightly and widely. So, what are you going to do now? Are you going to break her heart? Tell her that you only fated her because you pitied her? Zoltan. (laughs) Zokton, <laughs> how would she feel? <laughs> Zokton. Z-O-K-T-O-N. Z-O-K-T-O-N out of nowhere in parentheses. Zokton, how would she feel? I asked him. <laughs> Honestly, I might have Desiree, but she's also a girl in love. <laughs> what? Zoltan sighed and put his hands on his head. She doesn't know we're mates. I never got the chance to tell her. And her reaction is going to be worst because she's obsessed with me. (laughs) So, crazy ex-girlfriend, I sighed and looked him in the eyes. Zoltan, you have to tell her. And now, because... My head started buzzing and thrombi. Get pain shook its way into my mind. Victoria! I could hear Zoltan's Vok, But uh, it sounded like a blur. My eyes began losing vision. My body began heating up. Come to me, Victoria, my beloved. I screwed out in pain. Mm. As if my head was being ripped open. I couldn't bear the pain. My body began to give out. Ah, uh, a few shadows loomed around us as Zoltans took a protective stance. The people before us didn't seem normal. The war clothes they wore clothing dark, and their eyes glowed blue. They surrounded Zoltan and kept going at him, but he dodged each of their attacks, trying to protect what's his. He kept coming, and Zoltan kept fighting on, and I wanted to help. But my head continued to pound. I could hear the same voice I'd been hearing for a while. Get out of I screamed as I pulled at my hair. My body felt like it was going to paralyze out any moment. My body gave out completely, making me hit the ground in a thud was all I heard as I blacked out. All right, I took too long talking about myself tonight. We didn't get all the way through it. Next week, we will fucking finish this, starting with chapter 16. Sorry for misleading you. I did think Mr. and Miss Smith was going to be about them getting married and not them meeting the parents. But hey, you know, still kind of fun. Uh, I really am enjoying it, the live show and all the rest. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming out, telling your friends. Uh, giving me some wonderful stuff to read, give me something to look forward to each and every single Friday. I guess that is the nice thing about not finishing up this Friday is that we will get some more going next time. Thank you for all your tips. Thank you for all your uh, concerns. Thank you for all of your uh, compliments, critiques. Oh, see, running out of steam. Everybody who said something nice to me so far this year know that it was nummy in a way it's never been nummy before because... By God, this year, it really is a whole big old lawn gauntlet, and you're helping me run it, so thank you. My goodness, you can hear me hiccuping and losing my breath control and stance, so that means it is time to go. Thank you very, 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 very much for being a fan, for listening, and all the rest. Come on out next Friday, 10 Eastern. We'll be there. We'll be happy to see you, and we'll be reading your requests, finishing up The Bad Boy is a Werewolf for certain, unless there is far too much Uncle Vanya's talk to go around. All right, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. No matter what, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week ahead of you. Thank you for being a fan. Thank you for being a supporter of the podcast and all the rest. Bye now.